I love that song. I love that song. Um, for those of you that are worship regular attenders, worship Wednesday regular attenders, um, you guys know that um, Andrew sings that song and he leads that song and is, there's just such a, a sweetness. And I, I really just felt that it, it, it captures the heart of what we're trying to do with this series. You know, I want to be closer to the heart of God. And as we develop these habits in our life, if, if you haven't been here, we're, we, we jumped last week into a series where we're developing habits that we really believe can change our lives. And so last week we spent some time talking about hanging with God. And uh, this week we're, we're going in a little bit further. And all, for all six weeks, I believe these are things that will bring us closer to, to a, the heart of God. And... Um, you know, I, 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 just, I just even want to take some, a moment right now and just pray again. Father God, would you just be near us in this place this morning? We know that you're here, but would, would you make it easy for us to, to open up our spiritual ears and eyes and just reveal yourself to us in ways that were totally unexpected this, this morning, God? We just expect the unexpected, God. May your, your grace, your amazing power, all of who you are, be revealed to us, Lord, as we dive into these spiritual disciplines, God, to get closer to you. That's what it's all about. In your mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. So have you ever read or heard about the Spartans and their, their warrior mindset? First, let me say about the ancient culture of the Spartans that there are many things about them that you would not want to emulate, okay? We'll start there. But they had two big things going for them. And the first was they were very focused society. And for the Spartans, their focus was entirely upon warfare to the degree that when you were just five years old, when you were five years old, they would walk you out into a field and as you begin your education, there were no humanities, you know, there were no electives. It was all just like, here's how you kill a guy. I mean, that was their education from the age of five years old. So they were intensely focused. And, and so they developed a system of warfare that would devastate their enemies. And I don't know if, you know, you, you, know, you, you see movies maybe um, like Braveheart, where a bunch of people, you know, just grab some weapons and they just run out there and it's all the townsfolk, you know, and everybody pitchforks and all that kind of stuff. Spartans would not do that. When they showed up in a battle line, they would form up in ranks. And then when the signal was given, the men in the back would each put up their shields on the lower back of the men in front of them, kind of like the, the arrangement that you see on the screen behind me. And then when the call was given, they would all commence running in unison, kind of interlocked together. And so essentially what happened is they became this massive human battering ram and they would just decimate their enemies. So much so that if you were a force that showed up to battle and you saw the Spartans lining up on their side, you might have brought your spear and you might have brought your sword and you might have brought your shield. And you, but as soon as you saw them, that army would all just kind of get down on their knees and they'd start getting out their pen and they'd start writing up the terms of surrender. There's the Spartans. We might as well give up right now. Go ahead, send them all the livestock, send it over. Bill, sorry about your family, but they're going to kill us. You know, they would start writing it out. That's it. We're giving up, right? And so the other thing, they had focus and they had unity. 
And whenever you get a community that is focused and unified, you have a very dangerous crew. Navy SEALs are like that. It's a very focused community that they travel in packs. And the early church was like that. The book of Acts, when it was talking about the first followers of Jesus, it says they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, that they were fixed on the message of Jesus, that they wanted to know him above everything. Move my heart closer to you, God. So they had their minds' attention engaged, and it said they had everything in common. They were constantly sharing with one another, meeting each other's needs. They were focused. They were unified, and the world could not stop them. As they were changing, literally, you read it in the book of Acts, the culture around them. And so they were turning the world upside down, and they were watching cities change and cultures change. Why? Because these people, on your notes, if you're taking notes, the backside of your bulletins, were focused and unified. These guys were focused and unified. And wherever you have a group of people that are focused and unified, you have a very dangerous crew. Now, why mention that? Because that's habit number two that we're going to talk about today. Now, the acronym that uh, we've been going through, letter H, you know, was uh, hanging with God. We spent some time talking about that last week. This letter is the, the letter A, and the acronym for today, or the, the the, the A word for today is attending church, which seems a little weak in language compared to my opener, maybe. And I, I would agree with that so, because um, I want to I wrap this in the language of the why. So just to say, we're going to attend church just sounds just a little bit not enough. And, and so we're, we're going to dig in today. And I really believe that um, what, what this habit does is it helps us keep our focus And it's important to dwell together in unity. It's more than just getting behinds and seats. Can I just start with saying that? It's more than just getting numbers and chairs. It's not about that. But this is a habit I really believe that will change your life. You know, if you've been around uh, since February, we did a whole series um, talking about This Is Us and and why it's good for us to live together in community. Well, I'm going to hit it one more time from a, a different book of scripture this morning. And that's the book of Philippians. Philippians was uh, written by the Apostle Paul, who had unapologetically fallen in love with Jesus. Before that, he had been this judgmental, shallow, um, religious person following a list of rules. That's where he is at, legalistic and whatnot. And, but when he came into encounter with the love of Jesus, it convicted him of his sin and of his brokenness. And in that same moment, he's offered all this grace and forgiveness and being adopted in the family of God. And when he came to know Jesus, he found someone who saw the worst in him but loved him regardless. And so that blew up his world. It changed him from the inside out. And so he fell in love with Jesus, and Paul began to travel the known world. He was preaching about Jesus. And when he came to the Philippians, he told them early in the letter, he says, you guys, you are partakers of grace with me. You know what it's like to know that you're broken and to know that he loved you just the same, that you've tasted of that grace is what he's saying. And, and, when, and when you did that, he said, you became the fellowship of the gospel is the language that he used. We're community around this cause together is what he was saying. Why? Because we all love Jesus. You love Christ. You cherish your savior that he came for us, right? And so he looked at them and he said, you know, he's better. He's better than any success that we can build for ourselves. He's better. So they had focus, but the Philippians had one problem. They had focus. They weren't really unified. And so they had trouble getting along, which I know is kind of hard to imagine Christians not getting along. (laughs) 
<laughs> Sean, I don't understand. I don't know what that means. Um, just take it by faith. Centuries ago, that was an issue for the early church. It actually, it's not that hard to imagine for today, is it? Even within our churches, we can sometimes be as clicky and weird as junior hires, <laughs> right? Am I right? Even within churches that are preaching the same gospel, it can be hard to celebrate each other. As one person is telling you, you know, how much they love their church and, you know, they're, they're celebrating what God's doing over there. You have may have even said, oh, yeah, well, that's a great church. Well, as long as you like unattended worship, you know, <laughs> and, and we do that. Or whatever, you know, we, we, we can't, why can't we just celebrate that what God is, when God is doing something good in the community, right? And, and so, look, let's be honest this morning. Can we be honest? All right. <laughs> I'm going to be honest since nobody said anything. <laughs> even within a church like this one, even within a church like this one, where, where God is doing some amazing things, God is changing some lives, there's, 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 there's salvation springing up from the ground, there's newness of life coming forth, there's going to be some people that get on your nerves. <laughs> Don't say amen to that. <laughs> and the, the Bible says that I've got to love them. The Bible says that I've got to love them, and not just that, but that I can't look like Christ without them. I can't look like Christ without him. Paul told the Ephesians, God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, right, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. God rigged it that way. He made it that way, that we need each other, that Holy Spirit puts different gifts among us so that I will never be who God made me to be without you. I will never be who God made me to be without you. You will never be who God made you to be without her or him. And you will never be who God made you to be without us. God designed it that way. God made us that way. That your human potential cannot be reached just by you as an individual. You need us. You need us. And spirituality in the scriptures, if you look at the whole of scripture, is always worked out in the context of community. It always happens in the context of us. It always is worked out in the context of beauty. So you and your career ambitions, if that's your thing, will, will never even become all that you were meant to be there without us. You need us. God built us that way. Um, and so Paul, through the beginning of this chapter, he's been talking about the beauties of Jesus and, and what it is to know him. And then in verse 27, he says, only, it's like he held up one finger and he's, and he's saying, I just want one thing from you. And he says this, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Let your manner of life be worthy of Jesus. That's a big statement. Live in a manner that's worthy of the sacrifice that Jesus made for you. What does that mean? Well, let's dig into the original Greek language for just a bit. Where it says, let your manner of life be it's only one word in the original language, and it's the word, I don't know how to say it, uh, I'll try to remember it from when I listened to it on Tuesday, but polidemo. Polis is the Greek word for cities. And so it's where we get the, a word like metropolis, polis. So it means city. The rest of that Greek word, the last half, means to discharge one's duties as a citizen of a place. To live like the citizen of a city. So this is the only letter that Paul uses this word in the Greek. And he does it, I think, he does it on purpose because he knew that it would get a reaction out of the Philippians. The Philippians were proud. 
They were proud of their city. Um, and the reality is one Greek writer said that a man without a city was not a man at this time. The city was everything in this culture. That's, that's, that the, the reality is your city is, is in this time is where you got your identity, is where you got your sense of what you do. It's, it's where you got, it's the place that you're educated in. It's where their favorite sports team plays. You know, some of us still identify that way, right? Back then it was your city and the city was your identity. And so he uses this term and he says, like the citizen of a place in the scripture here because he knew the Philippians, the Philippians were proud to be, you know, in Philippi. Because in 42 BC, the armies of Anthony came over, they overcame the army of Brutus, you know, Brutus who killed Caesar. They overcame him and Anthony and, and his forces charged out and they went to war against them and they fought so courageously and so bravely that they awarded them with the city and that city was Philippi. And so this was like their crown jewel. And with, and with the city of Philippi, they gave them all the accolades of being a Roman citizen, although it was nowhere near Italy or Rome. And so some of the benefits of being a Roman citizen included things like autonomy um, and never having to pay taxes. And so you were pretty happy about being a Philippian, if you're a Philippian. And so the reality is when Paul looks at a Philippian and says, live like a citizen of the place... Something just came out of them. There was an understanding when he said that. I want to embody the characteristics of that community that I'm a part of. That's what they're thinking when he says this. It's what I imagine it would be like if you lived in Texas and if, if, if you asked if there was a cowboy and somebody, you know, steps out with their holding on to their big belt buckle and they got their cowboy hat and they say, yeah, I'm a cowboy. I got 30 head of cattle. <laughs> I don't even know what head of cattle is. But... <laughs> 30 heads? I don't, I don't know. I don't know what that means. But, um, but that's a picture of somebody wanting to take on the characteristics of a society, right? And it, it, if I said anybody play football, you know, you wouldn't show a belt buckle. You would maybe flex your neck muscles um, and, you know, your neck would look bigger. Yeah, man, I, I was a linebacker when I was in middle school, <laughs> whatever. You know, you would, you would, if you play in band, you don't, you don't flex your neck. You I don't know, you wear a band t-shirt and listen to obscure music. <laughs> um, but but we, we kind of, we naturally take on the characteristics of the community that we want to be associated with. And so here, Paul says to the Philippians, he says, live like a citizen. That plays into and draws out the idea that for the Philippians, our people fought courageously they fought bravely. They made a way for us to experience the benefits of citizenship of this place that has all these benefits that I didn't earn. And so I want to live into that and I want to embody that and I want to step into what they've all wanted for me. And so then Paul, he flips the script on them and he says, yeah, and he uses that word, and he says, do this in a manner worthy of Christ. Do this, live as a citizen of the place that you live in, do it in the worthy, in a manner worthy of Christ, not as a Philippian, but as someone who knows Jesus. Because he says in chapter three, because your citizenship is in heaven, is where he gets to. And he says that you belong to him and that he's the one that fought for you. He's the one that beat back the darkness for you. And he's the one that took your guilt and your shame and he buried it in the grave and then rose victorious. And he's going to knock that weapon out of your enemy's hand of condemnation, right? Our weapon uh, or our worship is, is our warfare, right? So that you could be a son of a king. You could be uh, the daughter of a king, a child of God. That he's done that for you. And now he says, live into that. 
Live into that. Live in a way that matches that is what he's saying in the scripture here. And so some of you are still going, well, okay, what, really, what does this mean? It's interesting to ask that question is what does it mean to live in a matter worthy of Christ? We've discussed this uh, before. To live in a way that was worthy of all that Jesus did for you. And people will say well-meaning things. They'll say well-meaning, well-meaning things like, you know, we should really read the Bible more. Um, I should give, you know, more money and, and we should, you know, get into connect groups. And all of those things are great things. And we're actually talking about some of those habits in this series. Um, and they, they are things that we talk about as habits and things that we should develop to change our lives. But none of those things are the things that Paul is talking about right here. Paul says Jesus has done all of this to build a community, to build a family. He built a city and he says live in a way that's worthy of that. So what does worthy of that look like? Everything Paul says next is about unity. Everything that he says next, he says, you want to honor him? He says, get along, love each other. You want to honor him? Love the people that he fought for. You, you, you want to love the people that he died for? He says, take care of them. And so you, you want to love the Ananias pastors? What's the best way to love us? What's the best way to love us? You love our kids. Be nice to my kids. If you came up to me and you're like, Sean, dude, I think you're so cool. I'd love to hang out but you just got to, get, got to get rid of Zion. I can't stand him. Right, right, right. I, oh, right. So how do you think I would react to that? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's got to go. I, I, I'm with you. No, he's mine. He's my son. He's part of my identity. So what do you, what do you think I'm going to say? He's a loser. Get him out of here. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm his dad. So there is no separation. There's no separation. So I love my kids even when they're at their worst. And so, man, it's the worst thing when you see people treating each other badly in the church, isn't it? You know, ignoring each other, giving each other dirty looks, talking about them behind their backs. It's not right. That's a daughter of God. That's a son of God. And so you want to love God? You love him. You love her. It's the same picture. You want to love God, love us. Love us. Love us as a community. And so the church, when we think about it throughout scriptures, is his bride. It's his beloved. And so you want to honor God, honor the people that he fought for and that he died for. Love us. That's what we're meant to do. So we care about a community. How do, how do churches die? You know, we've talked about this before. There's, com- there's complexity in why a church fails. But I'll tell you what, the most common way for, uh, that a church dies is not because of s- some exterior force that comes and crushes them. It's because its own people start to gossip. They start to talk. People start to go, you know, why do they always have to do that? Uh, you know, that, that girl is always doing that. Well, she's always up singing on the worship team. And how come she didn't get a chance? And, you know, all that stuff. And we begin to die not by some big outside force, but just by the little paper-sized cut wounds that we inflict on the inside of tearing each other down. And so Paul looks at the church and he says, man, Christ gave everything for all of us. He gave it for all of us. And, and so whether you know, I'm absent or come and see you, I, I will hear that you are standing firm in one spirit. That's what I want for you. I want to see you in one spirit and I want to see you together is the language that he's using here. And so then he gives you the reasons why we need to be in unity, why this is so important. And this is it. So you can stand. 
It's the first one, so you can stand. The word stand firm there carries the idea of being planted so as to offer resistance. You know, going, going back and, and looking at the picture of the Spartans again, the Spartans, when you would go to battle, you would come with the shield, and your shield um, covered not just you, but the man next to you. And so they had an understanding. This, this is the saying that they had. They said, my sword is for my enemy and my shield is for my brother. My sword is for my enemy, but my shield is for my brother. And that's why, and you can even read historical records of this as, you would, um, as they would approach the battlefront. If I wanted the guy's shield next to me to cover me more, and I was selfish in that way, I could lean in but that would leave the other person exposed, right? If I'm leaning in the other way. And so there are stories of battle lines collapsing before the first clash of a sword because, you know, I'm just going to go for mine. I'm going to make sure that I'm good and I don't care that it makes the entire community go in disarray. But the Spartan wouldn't do that. They would plant their feet and they would plant their shield and they were trained from a very young age. This was just automatic for them. I'm going to plant my feet I'm going to plant my shield, and my sword is for my enemy, and my shield is for my brother. I'm going to protect my brother. I'm going to protect the one that's next to me. I need to stand, and we need to be united so that we can stand. Do you see that? And so we need us. And here's the reality. Some of you, you know, want to walk with God, and you're here because you want to grow in your faith, but the reality is when you go home and you're alone, it's in the secret places, it's in the quiet places that lust is tearing us apart sometimes. It's when we get home and we're alone, and we've got that isolation and that insulation, and stealing your confidence, and it's stealing your hope, and it's stealing your ability to believe that God wants to use even you, because we're really good at speaking lies to ourselves sometimes. When the enemy starts getting a foothold, we'll start speaking those lies even to ourselves. And some of you, it's your anxiety um, that you try to process on your own and it's not working and it's ripping you up physically. Some of you, it's discouragement that's just burying you under shame and so that you haven't risen up to help serve us because you're buried and wallowing in your own shame. And so in, it's, there's all sorts of things that can get us when we're in insulation, when we're in isolation, in the secret, in the quiet place even. I'm not talking about, you know, the quiet place that we're talking about, you know, last week we were talking about spending time with God. I'm talking about when you're by yourself and the enemy is using his voice to speak some lies to you. And so we are combat, listen to this, we are combat ineffective in advancing the gospel of Christ because we go out into the world and we go out alone. Does that make sense? when we don't have the shield of our brother around us, where Paul's talking about, we need each other. We need each other. And so, I, yeah, what, I, I think some of us hear this and think, you know, I gotta confess my, my struggles to my brother. There's a whole lot of stuff that comes with, you know, being a brother or being a sister. I gotta confess my struggles to all you people. Heck no, man, I don't wanna do that. <laughs> and, you know, I, I wanna be like David because, you know, David went out and he fought Goliath all by himself. And so, you know, I want to be that guy. He beat his giant by himself. This big issue in my life, uh, I'll beat it by myself. Well, yes, David had to march out and he fought, fought his Goliath on his own. And sometimes you will have to face some struggles alone. Yes, but keep reading the book. Keep reading the story, David's story, because yes, he beat Goliath alone. Yes, he did. But a few chapters later, he goes out to war and it says, in the scripture, David grew weary. 
David grew weary. He was in battle. And one of the descendants of the giants pins down, uh, pins down David, and he was about to kill him. And it took Abishai to step in on the scene and save David's hide. Anybody remember that part of the story? He was pinned down by another giant. There was another giant after Goliath. He was pinned down on the battlefield, and he had a brother come out and save his life. And so some of you have struggles in your life, but you say, I'll just do it on my own. Yeah, sure, man, for one or two nights maybe, or if you're feeling really strong for a week or two. But when you're weary and when you're discouraged and when life beats you up a little bit, weariness plus opportunity leads to failure. And some of us, that's been our whole cycle for years. And so let me tell you something. You go, you know, I just want to confess my sins to God. I'll be good. I'll confess my sins straight, straight to Father God. And you should confess your sins to God. That's part of what we were talking about last week. You know, when we talk to God, let's talk to him about our, you know, where we, where we stumble. Because when you confess to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us, right? Amen. He cleanses us. You want forgiveness and you got it in him. But listen, here's what Paul's saying in the scripture. He says, you want healing? You want a new quantity, quality of life? Then he says, you know, we need to go a step further. James, James 5, 16, because some of us don't want to hear it this morning. <laughs> Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. That can be tough. You want healing? He's giving us a method here, and it's called us. It's called us. And so we need to be united so we can stand. And, and some of us, the only victory that we're going to experience in life is when we're willing to stand with us. We need the strength that comes with us. And so I've, I got to come to the place where I realized that I don't want this perceived holiness. I want practical holiness. I want to be held up by my brothers. You know, I don't want to be one, uh, you know, one thing here and another thing there. Um, I want integrity. And the, the, the root word uh, of the word integrity is the word integer. You know, the number one, like, the, like a digit, integer. I want, to be a, I want to be one man, one man out front and one man in the back. I want to be one person. But James 5.16 is blowing up in our face. If I want to stand firm, I need to stand in one spirit with my brothers and sisters, and I need an us. Okay, 2 Timothy 2 says, flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Find some people who want God and want to seek God as much as you do, even if they're not your best friends, and get to them. Get to them, and, and there's some things that I just can't uproot myself. That's why we talk so much, we've spent so much time this year uh, talking about getting in circles, getting plugged into a connect group, you know, going to the online directory and finding a place to plug in. And so I find someone to confess to and then I pray with them. You'll find victory in areas of your life. You know, you, you thought you would always be broken, but you can find freedom when you come and find us. You can, come, you can find freedom in that. People whose ministries collapse because of moral failure, there, there's, that manifests in different ways, but it's all alike in one regard. How does it happen? This is when they struggle, they struggle alone. They struggle in secret and they're not willing to share it. And so some of us, the most godly thing that you can do, maybe this season, is not to sing another song, although I want you to sing a song. That's a big part of who we are. 
But it's not to sing a song. The most godly thing that you can do is to find a godly, mature believer and say, here's the areas of life where I've fallen. Um, will you struggle with me? Will you fight with me? Will you be in this, this walk with me? And let's spend some time together. Because here's the reality. When you do that and you find that in my most vulnerable places, that person cares about me and accepts, accepts me and loves me, sometimes even when I don't accept myself. That empathy will dissolve shame. Here's a statement that maybe we can walk away with today. You will be fully you when you're willing to be fully you with us. You will be fully you when you're willing to be fully you with us. We have a message to get out, don't we? We have something that we're trying to accomplish but it's so much more easily accomplished when we do this together. We have good news that we want to make known. And so Paul moves on and he says, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, that with one spirit we stand firm and with one mind strive together, he's saying. Strive together for the sake of the gospel. To get this good news out, that striving together in Greek is the word synthleo. Synth means together, and athleo is where we get the word athlete from. So let's strive together, let's run together. So for those of you with maybe some athletic experience, have you ever jogged or ran with a partner before? And, you know, so when that happens, hey, let's go for a run, you know, let's take it easy, maybe go half speed. And so you start off and, and you're kind of doing that slow jog. And, and then, then one of you gets ahead a little bit and you're like, well, I'm going to keep up with him, you know. And, and, and you, it's almost like you keep doing that. And by the end, have you ever experienced it where you're going twice as fast as you had intended? And you're like finishing, finishing your run and you're like throwing up. And <laughs> okay, maybe that's just me. Um, <laughs> but... You know, because you're spurred on by the person that you're running with. So you see him or her going a little bit ahead of you like, man, I got to keep up. And so I'm going to try a little harder. And so that's what Paul's saying here. It's an athletic striving together. We're spurring each other on. It's like, um, you know, athletes working together side by side. Come on, come on. You got to keep up. What, what you doing back there? Some of you have experienced that. And so how, it's even, even with, okay. Let's go with a different crowd. How about the video gamers? <laughs> You're playing a video game. I've experienced this with my son. You know, playing, playing, uh, we were playing a strategy game, a really intense one, you know, like Lego Star Wars. <laughs> um, and you're, you're, my son will, uh, will be playing, and, and, and especially in that game, you can accidentally, you can take your lightsaber and you can take the other guy out, right? You're playing and... Stop taking me out, son. We're working for an objective together. If you don't kill me, it'll be easier for us to work this objective together, right? Stop doing that. We can't accomplish this mission if you keep on shooting me in the back. <laughs> and so it's the same with the church. Can I get an amen? amen? There's a whole world hemorrhaging, and we're not going to do anything about it if we keep on shooting at each other. That's not how this is supposed to work. So Paul is saying, so we stand together and we strive together, not against each other. We stand and we strive. Even if your personalities are different, figure it out. Don't gossip. Don't put negative, negativity into the system. Put love into the system, right? And so 
let's move forward together because it's a hurting world and it needs us. It needs us. And here's the thing. You may be different. We're going to be wired. You're going to be wired differently than me. But we need us. We need an us. And so, listen, I, I know that I don't have the gifting in me that's enough for us. Can I just say that? I don't have the gifting in me that's enough for us. That's not the role of the lead pastor. Even with Deanna and I side by side standing on the stage, we are not enough. I am horrible at some things. <laughs> but I can look at you and say, well, yeah, let's, let's go and call Andrew because he can do that. And, and you know, I can, God can gift me. He can, he can fill me up and I can work in every aspect of that. But some of you walk in that anointing that I don't walk in. And so I'm going to call up on my brother and he's going to hold his shield and we're going to be stronger together. Amen. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, there would be a horrible hole in the framework of what God is trying to do here in Rapid City without us. Without you. I should say that first. Without you being a part of us. So I see some of you, you being used by God in a certain way, and I think to myself, you know, wow, they're amazing. You know, and I, I'm not built that way, but that's why we need us. That's why we need us. So some of you being up on the stage would terrify you, but you're great at writing notes. You could write a letter that would put the rest of us to shame. And so we need that. How many of you have, have ever had, you know, somebody's spirit, your spirits lifted because somebody wrote you in a difficult time the spirit-filled note that just changed your whole perspective on stuff? I mean, I've, I've received that. I've, I've received that. And just a simple act of you putting that pen to paper meant the world. My mother was really good at that. We, we need you. Some, some of you are organizers, and we need you to organize us, <laughs> right? That last Christmas, I was just so blessed by Sienna um, taking the lead with Pastor Diani um, on the amazing Christmas program production that she put together. And I mean, I was moved to tears through the whole thing. And, and you know, many of you, you had the same experience. People saw a picture of Jesus that she... Uh, orchestrated and put together because of that gift, you know, Shanna used to rally a bunch of us together to make something really, really beautiful. You know, because of her, God did something beautiful through us. Isn't that amazing how the Holy Spirit works? You will never be fully you apart from us. And so your human potential won't be as rich as an individual. God rigged it that way. Spirituality is being part of a community. So if you're just here checking things out, I'm so glad that you're here checking things out. And I want you to come back and continue to check things out. Come here and check out, you know, what we're talking about and keep coming back. That's great. But, you know, for some of us that are coming back week after week after week after week, I hope we can get to the place where we say, this is my church. I love Jesus. I'm a part of this and I'm getting in the game. I'm getting in the game. My wheels are starting to get some traction here. So come join us. Be a part of a connect group. You know, join a fight club. And we talked about, you know, last fall. You know, join one of our ministry or volunteer teams. You know, be a part of us. Get in the growth track if you haven't done that and figure out, you know, the way to be a, become a part of what God is doing here. Because you need us to stand against your struggles. And you need us to strive with you. And we need you. Because there's a city in need and we have the answer. It's not in us, it's in Jesus. Yes. But <laughs> Jesus moves through us to reach people. So be a part of us. Again, I, I hate to sound like a broken record, but God rigged us that way. He planned for it that way. That's, that's you know, how the early church operated. It was in us. 
And so societies were changed in the early church. There were emperors, uh, you know, over Rome that hated Christianity for that reason. Julian the Apostate was the name of one of those emperors that wanted to stamp out Christianity. And yet he, this is what he wrote to one of his men in frustration. He says, it's a scandal that there is not a single Jew who is a beggar. He says, I'm trying to stamp these people out, but they're so nice that if any of them are poor, they help each other. And if any of us are poor, they help us. And then he says, if any of them are sick, they care for each other. If any of us are sick, they help us. And he says, I, if, I so much want to take them out. I want to destroy this community. But look at them. They're so nice. And that loving community changed an empire. And the loving community can change a city and it can change a country. And it'll change an individual too. But to change a community, it needs a community. It needs us. Now, will there be opposition in your life? Yes. Whenever you decide to make positive changes. You know, I can't run with that crew anymore. Uh, They always lead me astray. I can't be in this relationship anymore. It's toxic. It's making me compromise my integrity. You know, so I can't be a part of that circle anymore. So when you start making those kind of life changes, there's going to be some people that don't understand it. Am I right? And so, you you know, you think you're better than me. You hear that one? And so you're going to run into some opposition. You start inviting people to church. You know, I want, I want you to be a part of what I found. Would you be interested in coming to church with me? You know, you're going to run into some opposition. And Paul tells you, don't be surprised by that. Derek, you can come on up. Paul says not to be surprised by that. And so scripture says, don't be in fr- frightened by our opponents. He says, but that's a sign of destruction for them in the scripture as we read it. So that's not a passive thing that he's saying. He's, he's like, when, when people oppose what God is doing in your life, they're opposing what God's doing. <laughs> and so that's a scary thing, and we don't need to be mad back at them. We need to pray for them. And he says, that's a sign that something's broken in them. But that's also a sign that God's working in you. It's when God's working in you that you start to make those changes. Like, I need a community to stand with, and I need a community to strive with. And you know, in that moment, when you start doing this, it's because God's working in you, because it's been granted to you, as it says in the scriptures there. The root of that word granted is the word gift. It's been gifted to you. To not just believe, but get in the game. This is something that's been gifted to you, that the two gifts God gives those in Jesus, the first is to know and to believe him, And the second is to be a part of what he's doing. That's a gift to us. That will involve some effort. It will involve some push. It will involve some struggle. But it's a struggle that's worth it because you get to be a part of what his team is doing. Texas A&M has a big football tradition. They have a massive football team. And it has this tradition there called the 12th man. Anybody ever heard of it? It has this tradition called the 12th man. And it's called the 12th man because way back in the day, like black and white photo back in the day, um, the team was terrible. And there was a moment that they were losing the game and there, were, there was this basketball player in the stand. And this, this team was the, at the point of desperation. They were so desperate for help 
that a few of the team members were just canvassing the audience and, and they went over and they found this guy. They found this guy and they're like, hey man, can you suit up? <laughs> we need you to go in. And this dude was just there in the stands with his girlfriend. He's like, what? You know, I'm just coming to watch the game. But he put on some pads and he got ready to go in. E. King Gill was his name. They even have a statue of him outside of the stadium now. And it was just a rally cry for the people that day that this random guy that was in the stands was ready to go in when the team needed him. And so it became a tradition that we're all, a, that we're all the 12th man, every single one of us, that we're all ready to step in. And so at A&M, you stand the entire game if you're a part of the tradition, which can be four hours, you know, if you're watching football. You stand, which sounds like a horrible thing to me. <laughs> but they stand in solidarity. Sounds brutal, but the metaphor that you're embodying when you do this and that they still hold true to this day, there's still some people that stand in the stands for the whole game. Was we're telling the team, I'm ready. If you need an E. King Gill, I'm going to suit up. Which I think is funny because I just imagine, you know, is, is, are they going to call you on that one? <laughs> you know, you're standing <laughs> in the stage. <laughs> you're standing there and at some point uh, the game's going sideways in a crowd of 100,000 fans, which is the size of the stadium. In, this, in, the, in the crowd of 100,000 fans, the coach looks up and says, Susan! It's your time, time to suit up. <laughs> and you know, you know, how would you feel? I, I imagine there'd be some terror, <laughs> probably a little confusion, but also excited. If you're one of those that is standing the entire game, you're, you're excited for the team. Like this is the team that I pay money to see, that I, that I yell for, that I cheer for, that I'm here for, that I stand for four hours for. And they told me that they need me. And so, what am I going to say? I'm in. I'm jumping in. Right? And so, what if they put you on the sidelines? I mean, people at these kind of games, they fight to get on the sidelines. A game of that size. And so, it's, it's so exciting. You know, I even, I even get to, can I keep the jersey? Can I, you're giving me a jersey. Can I keep this? And, it's, you know, so this is amazing. And so, what if you were in that moment and they told you, hey, Susan, we don't just need you here, but we need you to get in the game. And so, you know, how would you feel then? Of course, you know, I mean, I would feel terrified. A little excited again, having this adrenaline spike, this dopamine hit. <laughs> you know, oh my, I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually do this? I mean, I was standing here and I was saying I was gonna do, but I'm gonna actually do this? I'll never forget this. This is real? And then they go, okay, well, not only that, but we wanna give you the ball. We wanna give you the ball because you know, we're right at the goal line and we want you to run that goal across the line and score. And how would you feel that? Scared? <laughs> but if you really love the team, right? If you really love the team and you want to be a part of the mission, and you've been cheering for them and you've been standing there and they looked at you and they said, do you want to score if you cared anything about that team, right? You'd say, yes! Give me the ball. 
what if they're like, you know, I, what, what if you stand there and you get out there on the field and you're like, well, I don't know about this. You know, I, somebody might bump into me and that might, you know, hurt my feelings and I'm not, eh. But come on, if you really love the team, right? It doesn't matter. I want to do this for the team. Give me the ball. You know, somebody might tackle you and your response is, it's worth it! It is so worth it. I will take the hit because I love this team and I just want to be a part of what they're doing, right? Do you see it? That we're all made for belonging and mattering. He suffered to make a way for us to be part of something that is bigger than us. And now we say, I will take up the cause and I'll live in a manner worthy of my great king. And if you're listening to this and you go, you know, how can I get into a unity like that? Let me just tell you, you stay focused and God will build the community. He will. What he's done here at Destiny, it was decided a long time ago that we're going to focus on Jesus. He's the lead story. He's the rally point. And look at what he's doing. Now, did, did David did have to go fight alone. That is part of the story. And as he stood out there and he said, you know what, I'm making a decision. I'm going to follow God no matter what. No matter if I get hit, no matter if the spear comes my way, he had to step out alone. But none of his friends went out with him on that day. And some of you maybe had to show up here in this place alone today. And that's scary. But when David made that step of faith, do you remember the response? There were two men, the text tells us, that were watching him. Saul, who was judging him and hated him because Saul was insecure. But there was also Jonathan, who saw him and he loved him because Jonathan had just done something that stupid and crazy just a few chapters back. Anybody remember that part of the story? So that's when the whole Philistine army attacked and no one was doing anything. Jonathan was like, well, I'm going. And he went out and he fought by himself and he won. And so... You know, if people are saying of him, Jonathan, that guy's nuts. And then when Goliath shows up and David goes out there alone and Jonathan's in the back going, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> He's watching the whole thing. That's what I'm saying. Who is this guy? That's my new best friend. <laughs> He's on the sidelines and he's watching this. I've got to meet him. What's your name, best friend? I want to meet you. I want to, I want to be in the battle lines with you. And then he just starts giving him stuff. Read the text. He says, here's my home. Here's my wallet. Here's my keys. That's what Jonathan's doing with David. He just starts giving him his stuff. And when David hit his darkest moment, a few chapters later, Jonathan shows up in the cave. You remember this scene? And it says, Jonathan, he strengthened David's hand in God. Do you want that? Do you want that? Don't you want that? Somebody that when you hit your lowest moments, they will strengthen your hand in God and that when you struggle in the darkest places, you have a phone call to make, not to some broken well that, keeps, that you have to keep going to, but a healthy place that you find um, love and strength. And wouldn't that be wonderful? He found that and he had that. Would you stand with me as we close? So you stay focused. You know, I'm gonna walk with you, God. I'm gonna walk with you, God, and I'm gonna read your word. 
I'm going to develop these habits in my life. I'm going to spend time hanging out with you. I'm going to show up. I'm going to walk into a you know, connect group if that's what you have for me. I'm going to be a part of what you're doing. You know, going above and beyond, <laughs> way above and beyond just being a, uh, filling a seat on Sunday. And I believe that as I walk with you, God, as I walk with you, God, you are building an us. And when I'm a part of that us, I will stand with them knowing that they will help me. So, you know, in our acronym of habits that we're going through, that we're walking through, of habits that will change our life. Last week, talking about hanging out with God. And I, I really like that. I think it's a really great way to say what we were talking about last week. This week, A, for attending church, um, you know, felt a, a little bit weak on the acronym part. But I hope you get what we're trying to communicate today, what the scripture says to us about being a part community that is so 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 much more than just making a routine visit to a church building on Sunday do you see that picture it's so important um, what what we do here on Sundays is important it's a, it's a, it's a big deal but the, the conversation that we had in scripture today is about so much more than just attendance we need an us not fully us without you. Father God, thank you for your truth. Thank you for your scripture. God, I pray, Lord, that we would leave here different as a result of hearing your word today. And God, Lord, all these things that we're talking about, it's all about getting um, closer to you um, and taking a step further. God, so I pray, Lord, that we won't be a people that are lone rangers. But God, that we would be like the Spartans, that um, our sword is for the enemy, but our shields is for my brother. God, that we would stand together in a united front. God, that there would be none of us that are left open um, to uh, the enemy's attacks because we are so closely knit, that the relationships are so tight, that we are praying for each other, that we are helping each other out when there's needs, God, that we're lifting our brother and sister up when they are weak. God, that uh, we, we find our strength in you, but God, also when we are weak, sometimes it helps to have a, a, a brother or sister to, to give us some tough love and, and just to, to, to speak some truth into us when we can't even share it ourselves when we're in a place of brokenness. So God, bind us together. Bind us together. Your church, your body moving as one. God, accomplishing more than what we could do alone. Your plans are big. God, we speak that in your mighty name. And if you're here this morning, you've, uh, Holy Spirit's been speaking to you. You know that uh, you're here for a reason. Uh, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Um, I believe that uh, God brought you here this morning so that you could meet him. So um, without, uh, he, he's, let me just say this. He is somebody that um, is faithful. He's a faithful friend. Um, the way I like to say it for me, uh, one, of my, one of my life verses that I stand on, John 10, 10, he gives me life fuller than I can ever think of or imagine. And uh, that's what he wants for you. And so if that's you this morning, would you, uh, with nobody looking around, every head bowed and every eye closed, just raise your hand. We want to pray with you this morning. Thank you, Father. Praise God. Let's pray this prayer together. Father God, I'm yours. I surrender my life to you all that I am for all of you. Your purposes and your plans. 
Thank you for the cross. Thank you for coming to my rescue. In your name I pray. Amen and amen.